Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to The Potterverse with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners and let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I think I'm out on Cedric. Oh, I am totally out on Amos. I think I'm out on Cedric. Wow, them's fighting words, and I don't know how I feel about them right now, you Blake. Know, you go get it. You saved my hide twice, and yeah, it's like, oh, come on. Okay, well, we, honestly, if we continue this conversation, it's not going to end well, Blake. <laughs> how dare you? The chapter get before he's here. killed. Get God, out Blake, just here. stop. I'm telling you. Myself and the rest of the fandom? Such a Hufflepuff. No. Yes, such a Hufflepuff. A sweet and generous Hufflepuff. Bless his sweetheart. Bless his sweet, sweetheart. Oh, man. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Welcome. Please excuse my husband. (sighs) Cedric. Like, oh, my God. I hope you're ready to sleep on the couch tonight. I'm serious. Oh, man. Do not. Do not. Don't you dare besmirch the good no, name. No, I'm serious. Of Cedric Diggory. I'm oh, s- I'll tell you what, Amos sucks in this chapter. Yes. He totally that's sucks. Fine, Blake. <laughs> Agreed, Blake. Oh, the poor little puddin'. All right. So <clears throat> I can't even. Before we uh uh before we get into anything, of course, I want to introduce have the title some fun of the chapter. I, that is not the way to have fun with me. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about my almost dead Cedric. Um, this, of course, is the third task. And the quote that I wanted to read for you is, <clears throat> believe it or not, by Cedric. <laughs> Who's Cedric? Yeah. Or no, it's Harry to Cedric. Yeah, we've helped each other out, haven't we? We both got here. Let's just take it together. Together then. Yes. <laughs> if Harry likes Cedric, I'm here for it, okay? Oh, so cute. So sweet, so wonderful. Um and just both both of them have a moment where they're they're they both consider what they're about to do. And I will say this. I think the book does a far better job than the movie did. Yes, I think you can say that about uh book four. A lot. Well, no, I don't think so. I think the 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 film overall is a lot more uh, succinct, and it is a it lot is more very succinct, yes. and it's a lot more direct, and it's a lot more direct to Harry specifically. Yeah, it has to be. Which I'm which I'm for. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one part of the book where I feel let down by the film. You were robbed of some moments with said. Um, yeah, 
and it's not the it's not the whole oh you go get it no you go get it no you go get it it it's actually the moment when they first go into the maze mm. I, I we were robbed of something there which makes the moment that I'm making fun of actually worth it and is it uh, worth it worth it and work it and it's thing down flip it and reverse it <laughs> and it makes it pay off <laughs> all right you're fine fine you don't care what i have to say not after you made fun of cedric all right hopefully the <laughs> listeners care what i have to say sure they do but before we do Remember, everybody, you can head on over to jointhenerdclan.com. If you are not yet a member there, you can join for as little as $2 a month. That's cheaper than a cup of coffee, and it truly helps keeping our podcasts alive and afloat um, with our website fees and our hosting fees and all that jazz and all that jazz. Yes, it's true. We are listener-supported. We're like PBS, but through podcasts. We're the podcast version of PBS (laughs) about Potter. Oh, check that out. (laughs) All right, let's get into the show. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. I'm Laura Linney. This is Masters. As I said earlier, this is chapter uh, 31, uh, the third task. So in the beginning of this, Harry catches Ron and Hermione up on everything he heard about the Pensieve aside from Neville's parents. Hermione starts to put the pieces together about what Rita Skeeter has been up to. Um, And um, it's the night before the final exams. Harry doesn't have to take it. McGonagall takes Harry out for a little bit and says, hey, guess what? We've got some, some family for you. And it's actually the Weasleys. It's Molly and Bill. Um, and they're just so excited to see him and see the castle and everything again. Um, we get Rita Skeeter's newest article, which is super bad about Harry saying he's dangerous. Um, and let's see, Amos Diggory is a jerk. <laughs> and then all of the, the students get to go and do the third and final task, entering the labyrinth. And we go through a bunch of different tasks in the labyrinth. Fleur screams. Um, we got Victor Crumb being banana land. We've even got an acromantula. I mean, hey, there's a lot of cool things that happen inside the labyrinth. So we are here and we end it, of course, with both Harry and Cedric grabbing the cup, a.k.a. Portkey, which brings them to the village of Little Hangleton. And, well, we don't even know that yet, right? We know we, that. We, we, like, we, we as... We know that. We, but the, 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 the book no, doesn't necessarily you, they know They just that know, as wow, this feels like a port key. Yes, it feels like they're getting sucked through their stomachs or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I forget, through their belly button. I can't remember. I don't, but I just know that Mary hates <laughs> belly buttons. I do. <laughs> Mary, the first part that I want to start off with, actually, is... You mentioned them acromantula, and you mentioned you know, the Sphinx and the whole thing, like there's a whole bunch of different stuff. And also there's a Boggart, which poses itself as a Dementor, Mm, right? Yes. I love the fact that the maze feels like a culmination of all of Harry's years so far Mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another. Well done, Blake. And Do you t- break it on down. No, I mean, well, obviously we have the Boggart, right? Which is a clear and distinct 
reference to what happened in year three. We have the Acromantula, which is a clear and distinct reference to year two, right? Uh, and then we, we even have the Sphinx with a riddle, which to me feels a lot like year one. Like Agreed. it's cutesy and the riddle's not all that hard, but Harry has to use his- I wouldn't sm- have gotten it. Yeah, but regardless, <laughs> I mean, like- <laughs> Would on, you? On the scale of how riddles go- I feel like this is... I would have thought, if it's the end, something you don't want to kiss, a Dementor. I think there's a there's a case for that. Um, and I think, you know, the funny thing is, I, I could see how people would look at this riddle and try to ascribe more meaning to it. Like how it ju- it can't just be a spider, right? It, like the, the clues can't just be that simple. Well, what's funny is that the next thing he sees is a spider, Yes, and so, well, that's obviously by design. Yeah, right? like there's again everything that you should be, everything that you're writing about or discussing or filming or whatever has to have a purpose. And if it doesn't have a purpose, then it shouldn't be in your story. That is a Marion Blake Media commandment. Um, so yes, that's by design. But I feel like this this is and the the Tri tournament I, on the whole, obviously, is a culmination of all of Harry's skills so far all the things that he's experienced all the things that he's he's learned and gone through uh and the movie lacks that Mm -hmm. the movie makes it feel more like luck than anything you know in, in particular when cedric is cedric and harry are running are running towards the Triwizarding Cup, right? And it just so happens that the uh, that the branches or the uh, whatever the, whatever the heck they are just grab Cedric as opposed to Harry, right? And it switches the roles. Like instead of you know Cedric coming to help Harry and vice versa, or or instead of Cedric coming to help Harry because mm-hmm. he was collapsed by the Acromantula. You know, Harry runs back and it's like, I almost left you there. Like, to me, that does not feel natural to the way that the story is written in both the film and the book. Mm. Do you see it the same way that I do, Mary? No, I agree. I think that, you know, there are many aspects of the movie version of this part, which are great, but... The it is it is well known that the third task in the books far supersedes the movie third task in so many ways character development, um, just like you said, all the kind of callbacks, the amount of difficulties in which they go through. Um, so so I'm here for it. Yeah, and I, what's what I think is particularly special, and like I mentioned earlier, there's one particular thing that I think we were robbed of in the film, and that is. When they enter the, the maze and they have this moment together where it's like they, they're like talking to each other. They feel this moment of connection mm-hmm. and then they're like, uh, okay, all right, see you later. Like it just – there's this moment between the two where it feels like there actually is some sort of friendship there. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're they're moving together and that is then paid off when they both recognize, oh, we could do the thing, but we're not going to do the thing. We need to do it together. Yeah. That moment is a payoff for from the beginning. And that moment, I think, is a payoff from 
earlier in you know in the book when everybody's against Potter and 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 Cedric's like no 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 come on chill out I like, got you this mm-hmm. this feels like it's a Hogwarts thing as opposed to a Harry or Cedric thing mm. right yeah uh, especially in light of what happens with um with with Victor right and yes. and how he seems to you know. He's trying to hex, yeah, Cedric right. and kill him. Uh, no, he's trying to crucio him. Yes. Um, he is crucioing him. Do you like that verbing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, I love so much about this chapter, and I want to kind of go through it bit by bit. But before we do, I've got a couple of things that I do want to discuss that don't make sense to me. Okay. And this, do you know where this third task took place? Where the, where the labyrinth, where the maze was? In the Quidditch in the Field. Quidditch pitch, yes. yes. So in the Quidditch pitch, there's obviously seats for spectators because yes. they watch the Quidditch games. Yes. And in the books, I don't necessarily know if they describe where those seats are. In the movies, we get to see they're super high up so they could see all the action. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know from the books that the goalposts um, are 50 feet above ground. Um, and we do know from the book that the hedges are 20 feet tall. Okay. So one would think that the spectators would be high so that they could see the goals in action and things like that, right? That they wouldn't necessarily be on the floor. Yes. So that being said, wouldn't the third task for the Triwizard Tournament have made it so that spectators could be looking down into the maze so that they can actually enjoy this and see what's going on. Yeah. Now, granted, you don't want them cheering and like, you're going the wrong way or something like that. There could be an obvious, yeah, but you easy know what? Magic. spell. Magic. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. So I just find it really interesting that there are spectators, like they're allowed to be there. It's in the Quidditch pitch, which we assume would have high up seating. Yeah. And yet, nobody says, yes, we saw you grab the cup. Because once again, yes, Magic magic could have had a mute button. So all of the contestants, yes. the, the champions, wouldn't have heard people shouting. And there's, I think there's even textual evidence of Magic, right? Because mm-hmm. when Harry enters, he, he feels the walls like growing on him and yes. everything getting silent. Yes. So yeah, Magic, like stats of nerds, whatever. But... Um, it just it's interesting because it makes me think like did people not necessarily see the the cup be taken That's a great question Mary and I think again this is kind of where the author gets herself into a little bit of trouble But she, but on the flip side she doesn't she doesn't specifically say this is how high up the chairs are Right and but logically speaking right logically speaking you I mean here's the thing Either the stands are high enough where people get a chance to see all the stuff, mm-hmm. or they're just looking at a bunch of green hedges the entire time. And I think that is, again, you're, you're looking, the textual evidence suggests that each of the tasks are observed. Yeah. And well, the second task also wasn't observed. That was all underwater. And from what we understand, they don't have, you know, underwater camera views. So once again, they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs saying, I don't know what's happening. But they're, uh, yeah, fair. That is fair. Like how boring for the spectators. Fun to watch the dragon thing. From what I would hope and understand from the spectator point of view in the Quidditch pitch, that should have been fun and cool to watch the maze, but we don't necessarily get that out of it. Yeah, and again, I think this is kind of where the author gets herself in a little bit of trouble because there is some mechanics here that if if you squint at it, you can you can figure it out, mm-hmm. but 
just logically speaking, she's not painting a great picture. Now, the other half of this argument is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is happening to Harry at that moment. And she acknowledges the crowd when the crowd essentially disappears from Harry's POV. Mm-hmm. Once the crowd disappears from Harry's POV, that's the end. Doesn't matter if they're there, if they see it or not. Yeah. It's irrelevant to the story, right? And I, and that is actually, I think, really cool of what this maze does to the players and to the characters. Mm. What the third task does to Floor, however, I think... I mean, listen, let's just come out and say it. Uh, the fact of the matter is Floor is in, is in last place. Yeah. She hasn't, she finished the first task, didn't finish the second task, and clearly got smoked in the third task within five minutes. So like, oh, and by the way, nobody cheers for her except for half cheers from the Weasleys. Mm, so hearts. like, are they using Floor as nothing more than just... No, she's just... Their school wasn't necessarily athletically inclined. Sure. She still did the bubble-headed... Didn't she do the bubble-head charm under the water? So she's still a smart witch. Yes. And she still passes a dragon. It's just she's up against people like Victor Crumb, okay? Literally, the one of the best athletes of their... Of their time. And he's 18. And then Fair. we've got Harry Potter. Harry Potter. I mean, fair, but... I'm Harry freaking Potter. Yes, he's 14. But y'all know he's got some extra special mojo going on. Yeah, but does he though? Yes, he does. I don't think that he does. He is the youngest seeker in a century. <laughs> 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 he can speak to snakes. Yeah, but that's not he uniquely his. He produces a Patronum when a normally- A Patronus. thank you. A Patronus well before fellow students can. That is a fair he argument. He is something special. I, I, I think this is a great conversation to have about Harry's exceptionalism. What is exceptional about Harry? I'm and trying to- Okay. We, we have a clue about what's exceptional about Harry in the last chapter. And that is a failed curse. What do you right? mean? Oh, rookie mistake. Come on, turn that phone off. Okay. Uh, remember, ha- uh, Dumbledore says to Harry, the connection between you and Voldemort is because of the failed curse. Mm-hmm. That isn't Harry's exceptionalism. No. That is something that happened to Harry. Correct. So, But that isn't his exceptionalism. His y- dad was a seeker. He's got it in his blood. Yes. It's in your blood. But <laughs> it's in your blood. And also, he strives to prove himself that he is so much more than the boy who lived. He's got this thirst to be more than just that when it yeah, comes but on to the his athleticism the end, in the Quidditch pitch. But at, on the other hand, at the end of this chapter, he talks about just getting out of the He just wants maze. to bloody live. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not about, oh, I'm exceptional and I'm great, so I'm going to win. It's... I basically just want to get out of this thing oh, yeah. so I can go chill with Ron and Hermione. When he expecto patronumed, it is, I'm done. Yes. I'm out of here. It's not the money. I mean, you know, it's just I safely get out. Is it that he's holding the cup in his expecto patronum thing? 
No, he, he's he, all it is is that he, he oh, gathers he summoned his the happiest, happiest thought he could, yeah. concentrated with all his might in the thought of getting out of the maze and he's celebrating with Ron and Hermione, raised his wand and cried, expect a patronum. Yes. To me, he just wants to live. Right. But, you know, Harry does have this moment earlier in the chapter where he does envision himself holding the cup. Yeah. He does envision himself winning. But that is not his ultimate happiest moment. No, it's not. Which, Mary, I, I, I think is important to actually recognize because- Yes, it's not his happiest thought, but it does come up. And what makes this chapter really work even more is, and again, this is what the movie is, this is what the film is lacking. The film is lacking the pain it causes Cedric Mm. to give up all of the glory and all of the, the winning and the, the, the incredible fame it would bring Hufflepuff house that it hasn't had in God knows how long. And he technically does tie. Right. But he makes a choice. And, and, and in the, in the text, it says it, you could tell that it took all of his resolve or whatever it was where he was like, yes, I want you to have it. And you could tell it was paining him, but he was steadfast in his choice. None of this works. None of it. None. Zero zilch. None of it works without this moment, without this, uh, without this sentence. Because with any story, with any, with any narrative you're telling, it has to be based on a choice. And a choice must, it is a requirement that a choice has good things and bad things on either end. It can't be wholly good and it can't be wholly bad. And if you make a choice, you have to give something up a little bit in order to make that choice. Because if you don't give anything up, then it's not a choice at all. You're just doing the thing that's good. I just loved their back and forth of, you know, really, truly trying to figure out, like, who gets this? And, um, you know, at first, um, you know, Harry's telling him, like, go take it. You're right there. And Cedric doesn't move. And... um, he says, you take it. You should win. That's twice that you've saved my neck in there. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're the first one who got it. Um, and, and Harry's also thinking like, and he also got Cho. Now he's going to win. And he got the girl. Yeah. And Harry gets upset with Cedric. He says, stop being noble. Mm-hmm. Harry said irritably, just take it. Then we can get out of here. Because remember, Harry's end goal isn't the fame and glory. What will truly make him happiest is just to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm. And Cedric watched Harry sitting himself, holding tight to the hedge. You told me about the dragons, Cedric said. I would have gone down in the first task if you hadn't told me what was coming. I'd had help on that too. You helped me with the egg. We're square. We're still square. Um, I had help on the egg in the first place, said Cedric. Well, we're still square. And Cedric says, you should have gotten more points in the second task. You stayed behind to get all the hostages. I should have done that. I'm the only one who is thick enough to take that song seriously, said Harry bitterly. Just take the cup. And Cedric continues, no. He stepped over the spider's tangled legs to join Harry, who stared at him. Cedric was serious. He was walking away from the sword of glory Hufflepuff House hadn't seen in centuries. Go on, Cedric said. He looked as though this was costing him every ounce of resolution he had, but his face was set, his arms were folded. He seemed decided. So it is Cedric who sincerely wants Harry to take it. 
in the sense that like this is the right thing. But at the same time, he sincerely wants it too, which is why this choice is so important. And and it's Harry that comes up seeing both of us. And I Correct. love that this younger student is the one that's able to think like, let's try it. Um, Harry looked from Cedric to the cup. For one shining moment, he saw himself emerging from the maze, holding it. He saw himself holding the triwizard cup at a loft, heard the roar of the crowd, Sarcho's face shining with admiration <laughs> more clearly than he'd ever seen it. And then the picture faded and he found himself staring at Cedric's shadowy, stubborn face. And I just love this. I absolutely love it. And it makes me sad because um, Harry doesn't have a lot of close relationships. Mm. And... I mean, he has Ron and Hermione. But, but he doesn't have a lot of right. close relationships. When you when you realize that he really doesn't have a family, and yes, the Weasleys adopt him essentially, and that's what we're going to talk about in a moment. But he doesn't have a lot of classmates that he's super close with, particularly in this young time. You know, he gets a lot of closer people when he's the leader of Dumbledore's army. Yes. But he lives a very lonely life for the most part. He does have Ron and Hermione. Yes. Yes. But he loses, he loses Sirius. He loses Lupin. He loses Moody, kind of. Sure. Well, he never really had Moody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I just think it's so sad that these boys didn't get to have a relationship together because I think they would have been really wonderful for each other. Yeah. And Cedric is the only son of Amos, so he doesn't have siblings. Yeah. But I, I, but again, I mean, all right. So, kid. So, that's my boy. So, let's, let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room here, right? We know, we all know what's coming after this. He's dead. He's a door now. Right. And, like, what does Moody uh, say? Uh, goodbye. Like, what's that whole little phrase? I don't remember. The end. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. The end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. We all know what's coming after this. So the funny thing is, this book, as bloated as it is, I think, to an extent, it still follows a trajectory that each of the books have given us mm-hmm. which is okay you know each of the books are about a thing right so the first one is is about the sorcerer's stone the second one is about the chamber of secrets the third one is about the prisoner of azkaban right each of harry comes into contact with each of them at the end of the book he overcomes each of them in, you know, more so the Sorcerer's Stone and, and the Chamber of Secrets than the Prisoner of Azkaban. But I think it's still apropos to, to clump Azkaban in with those three books. By all accounts, the, the third task is the end of the book. It should be. Because it, it's the Goblet of Fire. It, this, this story is about the Goblet of Fire. But it doesn't. It doesn't culminate in, yay, we Hogwarts. It culminates in what's about to come next chapter. You know, um, I, it's so hard. It's so hard to have this deep discussion without leaning into next chapter, without killing the spare being, you know, the big thing. Because you admire Cedric in this chapter. This is Ch- Cedric's swan song. Um, yes. And, you know, 
you get to see him stand up to his dad. Oh, thank God they changed his dad in the movie because right. <laughs> his dad stinks. He's so rude. And I really do. I am, I mourn the relationship that Harry and Cedric didn't get to have. And what's crazy is that Cedric is a pure blood. He's the only son in this pure blood family. And he is just a spare in this game. He has a beautiful soul, does nothing but like do the right things. Mm -hmm. High student, uh, kind, um, you know, like just uplifting and, and tries to help Harry as much as he possibly can. And this shows you how evil Voldemort is, that it doesn't matter. He doesn't take the time to be like, oh, are you a pure blood or not? He is just despair that this child that we get to know and see and admire in this chapter is erased in the next, in the blink of an eye. Yeah, just instantly, goodbye. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that's what makes all of this so special yeah. because it's not this... We talked about last chapter how this book starts opening up the world beyond just we Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. It opens it up beyond Harry's perspective of... You know, witches and wizards and, you know, Professor Bins and, uh, you know, and like Dumbledore knows all and everything's okay in the end because Harry freaking Potter. No, like, you, if you wanted to argue, and I, I hate making this comparison, but like, this is their Empire Strikes Back moment, yeah. right? Where it's like, nope, the good guys don't win. And as a matter of fact, there's some people that die here and that really sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, I and that's why I think this this book it, it takes that it takes the adult themes that were introduced in Azkaban and then it it like kind of builds on them throughout the rest of this book but that subversion that we talked about at the end where you think okay the goblet of fire third task is over yay here it is harry potter and then it says nope we're not done yet Mm -hmm. In fact, we're going to do the exact opposite of what we've we've taught you to assume. Mm -hmm. We're going to get deep and dark. Yeah. You know, and it just rips another father figure, big brother, mentor figure away from Harry. And he gets two ripped away from him this same night because he gets Cedric mm. and Moody taken away. Yes. And you think about how he's repeatedly lost people, you know, not having parents, not having siblings. Um, but then he does, he gets glimpses of hope with people. Even Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle acts almost like as a big brother. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, so Harry's always leaning on these older male figures for I, I, guidance, I, to admire, to have, you know, kind of those manly relationships with think of even crumb in this instance right because yeah. again in terms of the book as of this moment we don't know what is happening to crumb mm -hmm. i mean we know what's happening because we read you've read the book i've seen the film so we know what's going on and this is another thing that i think the film robs of us which is the uncertainty right it's harry isn't like ron level of looking up to crumb but he certainly does. Yes, he appreciates his athleticism and... I, it's like, 
it's like seeing Tom Brady. Like you're, you, you get a chance to go chill with Tom Brady and you're like, dude, like that's, that's Tom Brady. Mm. You know, uh, you can see how Harry would feel that, especially because they're both seekers and the whole thing, right? He's an older male figure in Harry's life. Uh, and what the film robs from us is the uncertainty of what Crumb is doing. In the film, Harry just knows that Crumb is bewitched. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, I love the give and take between um, Cedric and Harry when they both, like when they finally get Crumb, you know, immobilized. And he turns around and he says, I thought he was all right. Yeah. Like that moment there too is very special, mm-hmm. right? Because that, that helps solidify the decision that. Uh, we're all in name? this together. Yeah, we're all in this together. And like. Zach Efron. <laughs> and on the other hand too, it also reinforces everything that has occurred in this book beforehand about oh you're you're fraternizing with the enemy you have to have constant vigilance mm-hmm. uh you know it's it's Durmstrang versus Hogwarts it's all of those things and 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 it and even gives uh some measure of validity to all of the stuff that's happened with Madame Maxine how it's you, we should be afraid of giants Mm-hmm. Like all these foreigners, we 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 should not be dealing with any of them. And we have gone through this whole book with thinking that Crumb is one thing, and he's been with Hermione, and all of that was fake. Because in the end, a kid from Durmstrang who was taught the dark arts uses the dark arts to win the thing. And you think, oh my goodness, this is the big turn. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. And it's nowhere even near it. As a matter of fact, it's anything but the big turn. He's just not in, not in control. That's really cool. And while the film touches this, it doesn't actually do it. No. And that sucks, man. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting part of the series book and movie and there are moments where you like oh the book is so much better and then there's moments where you're like the film is so much better and this is one of the most highly debated uh kind of versions yeah because like all the other tasks like the sphinx like it that would be hard to do in film right that would be hard mm-hmm. because I, then I mean, you'd end up getting you did do a dragon but yeah but the dragon is different dragon is different because it's full of action and that relies specifically on harry's uh actionable talent Whereas the Sphinx would be more like watching Robert Langdon in The Da Vinci Code. Hmm. And Harry is not Robert Langdon in Da Vinci Code. Harry Potter, the, fi- the franchise, is not The Da Vinci Code. We're not here to solve puzzles. We're yeah. here to see the thing. Yes. Right? So I get why they don't do the Sphinx in the film. I also get why they don't do the Acromantula. In the film, because it's just the thing. We've been there, done that. Been there, done that. Who cares? I get why they don't do the Dementor. I get that. I disagree with the choice because I feel like that is something that Harry has to overcome personally. Yes. Uh, but if you're going to make the argument about it, he's already overcome it in the third film. So 
it's just there for the sake of being there. The stuff with Crumb and the stuff with Cedric not being in the film, to me, is unforgivable. Oh, wow. I mean, unforgivable curses are a big deal. Well, it is. And They're unforgivable. Because it ties directly to Harry. Throughout the whole film, I could see all of the choices that were made. And I could see why... Now, remember, everybody, this is Blake's first time reading this. So yes. this is why I think he's so amped up. Yeah. I just, I, I get upset. You've just seen book, you've seen the fourth movie now for, you know, 15, almost like, you know, nearly 15 years, like as long as yeah. we've been dating. So yeah, 15 years, essentially. Um I get upset because there are things that the film sets up in terms of theme uh, and um, what it wants to say about Harry. And if they included these two things, it'd be a much better film. Because even like, you know, like the stuff with Rita Skeeter, right? When when Hermione figures out that she's, you know, whatever. And, the, you know, like, okay, it's good in the book. It makes sense. I like it. In the film, I could do without it. But you, and you don't even get the full thing in the film, right? That's what I'm Rita saying. Okay. Like, I, I don't mind. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't think the stuff. W- even though the the article about Harry from Rita Skeeta, I think, is like how the third task is the culmination of all of Harry's skills. Mm-hmm. This is the her, her last article is the culmination of all of her crap that she said uh, about everybody, and it, it is like the pinnacle of rag mag. Yeah. Journalism, right? Agreed. Because, you know, what she says isn't, hey, this is fact. It's all said. It, it, everything is said in, in the light of, hey, experts say he could have been faking. Experts say, you know, I'm not sure how he's able to do this. Like all the it's all just conjecture with uh, a slant of. Authority. Sadly, that's how a lot of news is. Of course. Of course. It's like anything. You can take one thing, have it be interpreted by five people, five different ways, and then slanted mm-hmm. <laughs> in whatever direction they want their agenda to go. But I could do without it. Like, I. I don't really care. I don't really care that the Weasleys are there for Harry. Oh my gosh, I was just going to like talk about how much I love that. I don't care that Hermione figures out the stuff. <sighs> I don't care that she that that uh Rita Skeeter writes the article. Like none of it really matters because the article itself doesn't do anything to Harry. Like what does Harry how does the article change Harry in whatever way? I think it just starts the the process of the media really creating this negative image of Harry because from here he's going to be saying Voldemort is alive and he's going to be cast in this light by the media that he is a liar and that he's untrustworthy. So this is just the beginning of the end with his relationship. Fair, but that with pays it. off next book. I'm I'm speaking more in terms of this book. I don't know. I don't know, Blake. I just want to talk about how much I love. Okay, Tyler fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're just getting like so deep and negative. Oh no, I'm not getting deep and negative. I'm just like, I'm just trying to say to you, I'm trying to expound on the fact that this the the third task has such a great asset in Cedric and Crumb that I can see why the other stuff isn't there. 
but there is no excuse, and that's why I'm saying it's unforgivable that that stuff isn't there, the, the Cedric and, and, and Crumb stuff. Gotcha. Okay. I absolutely love that Bill and Molly Weasley show on up as, quote, Harry's family. Yes. Um, because, of course, <laughs> like so many things, Harry's just kind of learning as he goes day to day. Okay, this is what's happening next in the Triwizard Tournament. Here's this thing and here's that thing. And he just kind of rolls with it. And, of course, you know, he hears that family might be coming and he just writes it off that, of course, the Dursleys wouldn't be coming to see him. And then I love that Cedric comes back out and he's like, Harry. Come on, they're waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Cedric. It's not necessarily another adult. It's, you know, this friendly face. Um, and in he goes, and it's Mrs. Weasley and Bill, to which yeah. I flippin' love. Mrs. Weasley, of course, has just, from day one, has taken Harry under her wing. She's just the, the mother figure of all mother figures. Mm-hmm. And yet I find it interesting that she really doesn't get to frequent Hogwarts. It, it doesn't seem like they have parents weekend or alumni weekend or anything like that at mm. Hogwarts because they want to go on a tour. And you'd think with so many Weasleys having attended there that Molly would have been there once, twice, three times a week. Like, do they not get to go see the kids for Quidditch games? Because Fred and George are on the Quidditch team. Does this mean she doesn't get to come and see him every single time that they play? I have no idea. Mm. But I loved the enthusiasm with which she and Bill wanted for had for Harry taking them on this tour. But why the heck Bill? Because Bill's cool. Bill is cool. Bill's like super cool with his fame. Percy's busy, busy with work. Whatevs. You so know. is Charlie. Charlie's busy with the dragons. Charlie already was just there. Right. So that makes sense. And Arthur. Why no Arthur? He's busy with the busy ministry. Ministry stuff. So then really- So well, all we're doing by having Bill there is setting up he and Floor. Yeah, but on the flip side, I'm saying like who else would she have brought? Well, because Ginny's already there. Yeah, so so yes, we're setting it up so that Floor can think that Bill's hot. And by the way- He is. <laughs> this reminded me how disappointed I was with Bill in the movies. You are not rock star. You do not have earrings. You do not have long hair. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, let's... the actor who plays Bill isn't necessarily my type. Like, I'm gonna be like swoon, but you're not even making him cool. He just looks like any other Weasley. He's Hand me down robes and red, red hair. hair. Red hair. Okay. He's <laughs> supposed to be the hot, cool rock star Weasley. Well, the, here's the thing with the characterization that Bill has in this book, a- and even the. Yeah, because he didn't show up in Azkaban, did he? No. Bill? He's only been in Goblet, He right? works in Gringotts. Right. So I'm saying he's only been in Goblet of Fire. I think so. So as- This is- But whatever. But no, he met him before. Yeah, I know he met him before, but I can't remember if it was in Azkaban or if it was the beginning of No, he Goblet. met him for the beginning of Goblet when they go to the Quidditch World Cup. Right. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, well, whatever. Let, let's just say for the sake of argument that it's, that it's Goblet, right? But- Maybe it was asking whatever. The, the the fact of the matter is that the characterization that Bill has is like, oh, uh, like, like the cool what brother. you think a cool kid would be yeah. when you were you 14? like 12. 14. Yeah. Harry's 14. And you were watching... Oh, you, you know what? You know who Bill is? No, who? He is Bender in The Breakfast Club. Okay. That's who Bill is. See, and you think Bender is cool. I didn't, but sure. Like with the, the boots and the jeans yeah. and the hair and the earrings and the whole thing. Yep. 
that that's who he is. So it's so funny because, you know, different people look up to other people and Harry says in his head, he's just cool. Yeah. And, you know, it just makes me laugh because to you, Blake Larson, Freddie Pridge Jr. And she's all that was cool. The pinnacle of cool. AKA the preppiest kid ever driving a Jeep, being the captain of the soccer team, but like clean cut preppy. Um, And so I just love that Harry thinks the coolest person isn't Cedric Diggory. Because let's be real. The Freddie Prince Jr. of Hogwarts, the Freddie Prince Jr. version of She's All That of Hogwarts is Cedric Diggory. Like clean cut, star athlete, you know. Don't Blake, you dare Blake, besmirch not, the good no, name of Zach Siler. Don't you dare. Don't Zach you si- dare. Zach Siler is a perfect character. Oh my God, I can't even with you. <laughs> um, so I'm just saying that Harry had all of this not gone down. Had Voldemort not come, killed Cedric, his life forever ruined. Had Harry gotten the cup, like had Voldemort not been there and Harry and Cedric gotten the cup together, mm-hmm. you know that a little bit of that with those winnings, because he would have had to split it with um, Cedric, a little bit of those winnings, he would have asked Bill, Bill, where do you go shopping in Diagon Alley? <laughs> you know what I want? I think I want an earring. <laughs> Do you think I could pull off an earring, Bill? Totally. Yeah, you could. Yeah, obviously. You could tell, you're Harry Potter. You're, you know who you are? You're, you. I'm Harry freaking Potter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach Siler is perfect. Okay, but I loved that they showed up. I loved that Bill asked about Sir Cadogan, in case we all forgot about Sir Cadogan from That's last true. year. Yep. Sir Cadogan, who, honestly, friends, please look for him in the movie. He's riding all over the place. He's there. A, he's causing a menace in the Prisoner of Azkaban. And I love it. Yep. Because they don't call him out. It's, no. It's just for us just book there. people. It's just for you nerds. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, Sir Cadogan. And then Mrs. Weasley drops <gasps> a bomb oh. that she was out until the wee hours of the morning having Girl. a little uh, midnight walk. And that the um, groundskeeper. Yep. Og. Og. I think is his name, yeah beat mr weasley so badly that he still has the marks ah interesting which which in my estimation lends credence to what to what filch was saying when he was like "Ah, i miss those days when he could hang kids from their thumbs and the whole thing that's what happened to arthur after he was you know love this out there being like a rebel without a cause just taking his girl going for a ride and having having himself a day then he gets himself some good old scars from Og. Poor Og. But you know that those are his battle wounds that he is proud of. Oh, of course he is. When he and Molly sit down. Look what I did for you, Molly. Look what I did for you. <laughs> it was worth it. That's her knighting shining armor moment. You stood up oh, to yeah. Og. Yeah. Oh, of course. Harry Harry gets the, the scars from Umbridge. I shall not tell lies. <laughs> Yet Arthur's wounds, oh, he, he bears them with pride. Very interesting. (sighs) Okay, so we've got Hermione running off, trying to figure things out. We've got... Oh, oh, okay. I've got a major beef, though. Okay. Okay. I tell you guys frequently, yes, I feel like I am all of the trio, Harry, Ron, Hermione, at many times. But if I had to be one of the trio the most, I am Ron. Yes. I am Ron. And this chapter proved it yet again, right, Blake? Oh, 100%. (laughs) First off... Ron's parent, Ron's mom and his brother come. They didn't even tell Ron they were coming to school. Yep. They did not even tell him that, that tra- we're showing up. That tracks. 
<laughs> exactly. Right. That's my life. Hello. So she first like surprises Ron. I mean, she first surprises Harry. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, Ron, hi. Yeah. And they, oh, they end up going to see him. Let me like pull it on up because I'm just I, I just got so upset. Yeah. Ron looks around stunned. And he goes, Mom, Bill, what are you doing here? <laughs> because remember, there is no parents weekend. <laughs> she hasn't seen Ron in like the entire year. No. This is June 24th. Doesn't come to school ever. No. Gets howlers from his mom. Okay. So I was like, check. This makes feel. This is normal. Again, this tracks. Okay. Then she doesn't say, I love you, honey. I've missed you. Come here and have a hug. She says, I've come to watch Harry. Harry. In the last task, we wonder why Ron gets messed up. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Middle child syndrome, friends. It is real. Okay. I've come to watch Harry in the last task, says Mrs. Weasley brightly. I must say, it makes a lovely change not having to cook. Here is the one thing she talks to Ron. How was your exam? <laughs> How was your exam? That is, that's it. Not that's I it. love you. Ron, you're looking good. Why wow, you've grown since you came home at Christmas. Continues to track. How was your exam? And then last time I saw you was six months ago. That's what I'm saying. It was it was December 24th. He probably went home. It is now June 24th. This is how Ron responds. And at this moment, Blake looked at me and said, "Yes, Mary, you are Ron." Oh, okay. I couldn't remember all the Goblin Rebels' names, so I invented a few. It's all right, he said, helping himself to a Cornish pasty. Well, Mrs. Weasley looked stern. (laughs) They're all called stuff like Bodrod, the Bearded, and Erg, the Unclean. It wasn't hard. Friends, I did this. I did this in my history classes as well when we had American history and we had to know everybody's first name, which I just think is foolish. So I just made everybody Bob. Or George. Or George. Or William. Half the time you were right. Half the time I was right. Exactly. (laughs) Wasn't hard. You know what the funny thing is, is Mrs. Weasley in this instance kind of poo-poos the Dursleys and she's like, like, she never says anything bad about them. But she certainly judges them. Oh, obviously. And she's kind of acting like the Dursleys a little bit in this in this instance, mm-hmm. like where she's not really giving the kind of affection that her oh. son deserves. Uh, As Dumbledore would say, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Oh, uh, of course, of course. Uh, with I just little- love this because we have to keep this in mind as we eventually get to uh, the Half Blood Prince, and yeah. we wonder, you know. What happens? And even then in the Deathly Hallows, like I think Ron, particularly in the movies, really gets this like one sided. Oh, yeah. Why is he so selfish? Why does he think about himself? And you need to realize that nobody thinks about Ron. A hundred percent. Even his mom. <laughs> she doesn't even tell him she's coming to visit. You know, she let Ginny know. Of course she let oh, Ginny, Ginny know. How are you? Oh my gosh. I'm sending you new my shoes. My one daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And. And Mrs. Weasley also, like, we talk about her being this maternal figure, which she is. And, and I'm not going to say that she's not. But again, it, it's just interesting that she chides Amos Diggory for believing all the crap that uh, Rita Skeeter writes. And then on, on the other hand, Mary, she treats Hermione like... Not necessarily persona non grata, but certainly not with the warmth that is probably due for Hermione. She treats her like, oh, you're a tramp. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's so difficult because, of course, she just chides Amos Diggory. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't listening. <laughs> Our kids were jumping around. Anyway. How to tell when the hosts aren't I've, listening. I've been really good recently about listening. <sighs> Guys, those of you who don't know, I just spent a lot of time in the ER. <laughs> My brain just isn't right. Like, give me some peace, some grace. Anyway, I hate it. I hate it that she's mean to Hermione and Harry has to be the one that clears it up. Well done, Harry. Fun fact, friends. I am playing Harry Potter uh, music in December. And my conductor told everybody, all right, take on out the Harry Potter symphonic suite. And I said, that's not how you say it, conductor. It's Ari. Oh, God, you. And you want to know the worst part of the song? What? It's the Quidditch part. And that means that the brass players don't know what it's supposed to sound like. Like uh, like, they're flying up trying to think it's like when. You know that that song? No. That's what the band plays at Quidditch. Oh, no, that's the third task. I'm sorry. Like, no, it's when he's like, Rolliver Wood's like, oh, I blacked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. first game. It's that whole bit. Yeah. And I just don't think these people have watched these movies. No, there's John 0.0, the 0 I... chance that they appreciate John Williams to the level that you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Blake, I didn't listen to you. Our kids were turning on a, a vacuum cleaner a moment ago. Yeah. I'm here and bouncing. Oh man, that's good stuff. All right, you got anything else you want to talk about in this chapter? No, I don't, Blake. Obviously, I'm not even listening anymore. I know. You ready for the different perspective? (laughs) Yes. All right, let's do it. Holy cricket! You're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger, and you are. I. I mean, I could have just been Ron Weasley, but I'm not. No, that that would just be you. You would be saying you'd just be like, "Hey, I'm Mary." That is me. (laughs) That is me. What's up, guys? I'm Flo. Floor. You know what? We. Oui, oui. Not a lot of people are in on you right now. No one's cheering for you. Who cares? And, and I feel like you're getting a lackluster show. French cheer. Not even your own classmates yes, cheer do. for That's you. That's what we do. We do with our eyes. <laughs> you smize. We smize. Uh, you you chies. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's how we do it in France. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's... They what? didn't hiss or boo. I'm fine. Oh, no, they don't. They just no. quietly judge. They're judging. I don't care. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Been hanging but out with Dumbledore lately? You. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you a Kelly fan, too? I got to tell you, though. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to win. I know this. I'm the okay. last place. But whatever. I don't care. Okay. I'm Flo Delico. Yeah, like, sure. Well... You're smoking hot. I'm smoking hot. I'm super smart. I am no fairy princess, as Madame Moody said. Yep. As much as a fairy princess as me. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite. I'm actually going to get that like printed for my room. <laughs> but anyway, if you can't be a unicorn after after my sister was taken, you know, my mm-hmm. priorities really are, have been shifted. Yeah, you need to do more of a family I, girl now. I just want to go home. These I don't blame you. Have gross food. Mm-hmm. They don't eat enough snacks. They overboil everything. Madame Maxine, for some reason, is very grabby. And I just, I'm done. I'm just all done. My date to the U-Ball, pff, oh, stinky. <laughs> 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 I 
I don't think they're about deodorant. I just want to go home. So I go, and my parents are there. They're very happy. Not happy about what happened to my sister. Mm. They're like, to hell with this. And I'm like, I know, I know. What are we doing here? Um, but fine, I'll just be quick. I'm, I, I'm not going to win. You're just going to show up. No, I don't care. And you know what? You're just going to go in there. I'll give it my best. I'm still the champion of my school, and that's all that matters. I agree. I agree. all that matters. I'm also the only female, all right? Yes. Power, who run the world? Girls. (laughs) Beyonce. High five. So I go in, and Uh badness happens to me right away. Right right away. Right away. I can't, I don't even get to do the thing that I'm the best at, which is the riddles. (laughs) Wait, which is what? Riddles. What? Riddles. <laughs> I heard there was a sphinx. And I can't even do that. There was a spider. Oh, man. <laughs> what not happen? What happened? Crumb. Crumb did some bad stuff. Oh, good crazy crumb. I don't want to be here anymore. I hate everyone. I hate their boiled food. Oh, <laughs> my sister was in danger. They didn't even want me. They just they just took her. They just took her. And I said, hate everyone. Said it's your problem. I don't like anybody here. Hey, but you know what you do like? Oh, I do. <laughs> you do like one thing. Oh, I like the man who works at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> the jingle jangle of his pockets, and, <laughs> and he had this earring. And I have got to say, they don't make men like that in mm-hmm. Paris. No, oh, they don't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but for him, we, we. Oh, yeah. End scene. <laughs> Very good, very good. Are right, we floor. Get- let's let's pour it out for floor. Oh, pour it out. All right, here we go. Right, we got some. Uh, we got an email. Okay, here we go. Oh, okay. Oh, Miles here. All right, so this email comes from Tom. Now we uh, we haven't had many emails because we, obviously uh, we we've been away. So now the emails, I think, and voicemails will start pouring in now that we're back. You know, in full here. But this one came from Tom uh, just this past week, and he says. Uh, the Potterverse on iHeartRadio is one of my favorite all-time podcasts. iHeartRadio? Isn't Ryan Seacrest on that? I Sure. Why not? Awesome. I'm very thankful that both of you are able to start it up again. I've been waiting for months and hoping that you would continue. Mission. I have a theory about the Triwizard Tournament and the Yule Ball coming up soon, and I would like your take on it. While swimming, Harry finds Ron, Hermione Cho, and Gabrielle underwater. Cedric is in love with Cho. Crumb is attracted to Hermione. Floor loves her sister, Gabrielle. It seemed odd to me that Ron was chosen for Harry to rescue, even though I'm sure that they love each other with brotherly love. They are friends, not brothers. Harry seems to love Cho, but she's already taken. And in Half-Blood Prince, Dumbledore will tell Harry that he has always assumed that Harry loves Hermione, but she is taken too. So why Ron? My theory is that it has nothing to do with love or attraction, but who they spent the most time with at the Yule Ball. Ooh. The ball is only held during years with the Triwizard Tournament. Crumb spent the majority of the time with the dance floor with Hermione, also Cedric with Cho. I bet Gabrielle had no idea what to do with the ball, ball so she, she followed Floor around all night. And they just totally judged all the food and the dresses. Guaranteed. I Harry and Ron sat together not dancing with their dates. What do you two think about this theory? And why were these four chosen to be rescued? I love your show and I'm glad you're back. I pray that you and your whole family continue to stay healthy. Thank you, Tom. Marvin, your thoughts? I love this idea. I yes. absolutely love it because I feel like collectively the judges had to choose the the bait, the bait people, 
the treasures, the treasured people. Sure. You know, they couldn't just say, okay, Dumbledore. I mean, they could have just said, okay, Dumbledore, who do we choose? But do you think Dumbledore is really paying attention to Cedric Diggory? No. He's no got chance. bigger fish to fry. He's got a pensive to look around in. Yeah. So I I agree with you. I think that um, I think they definitely collectively said, "Who are we going to pick?" I don't know. Well, how are we going to watch who they hang out with? Oh, the Yule Ball. Great. You know, we're already all there. Yep. We could take a couple notes. We're going to be walking around, monitoring the dance floor, making sure there's not too much canoodling happening. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just reconvene the next day at brunch. Go over our notes. Mm-hmm. It totally happened. Uh, yeah, I, I could it. see I could see this in the, in the teacher's room. They're all figuring it yes, out. I love it. The idea that I had originally was, well, obviously it's the person that matters most to the other person, mm-hmm. right? And I think that tracks with Cho. I think it tracks with Ron and and Harry. I don't see it though with Crumb and Hermione. Either that's just lazy writing or we're really underestimating how much Crumb feels for Hermione. What do you mean? Why is it lazy writing? He's always in the library by himself. Right. So what I'm saying is either we're underestimating how much Hermione means to- I think that's it. To Crumb. But is he in the library? Yeah, I guess he is in the the library. library. Because of Hermione. Yeah. And then even at um, Bill and Fleur's wedding, he's there. And he chats a lot with Hermione and yeah. he like wants to be with her a wee bit. I guess what I'm saying is it's either that or it's lazy writing because no, I think he's got a mega crush. Because there's no other characters for Crumb to involve himself with. Mm-hmm. Like so you can see why Hermione and Crumb are a thing for the Yule Ball. Because he needs someone to rescue for the second task. And there's no other characters to which we have been introduced that would fit the bill other than Hermione. Oh, I just love it. I think so, no, I agree. I, I love picky. it too. So, no, no, no. I'm saying it's either one or the other. And I, I tend to think it's we're underestimating how much Hermione meant to Crumb. Agree. So um, I, I think it tracks, but I love this idea that all the teachers sitting in the teacher's room <laughs> Just trying to figure it out. Yes. All right. Anything else you want to say for the rest of this episode, my love? No, that's it. Just hang on tight, spider monkeys. Because Here we go. um oh. Oh. oh say it out loud. Oh, that was totally not planned. Not planned, but if you have watched Twilight, you know that the actor who is Edward Cullen in Twilight is Cedric Diggory in oh. the Harry Potter movies. And I can't believe I just quoted him. <laughs> Unknowingly, unwittingly. Oh. My goodness, me. All right, let's close this bad boy out. sweet friends we want to thank you so incredibly much for taking the time to hang on out with us and geek out about all things potter now listen the holiday season is upon us thanksgiving week is here and if you um are thankful that the potterverse is back in your life we would be so grateful if you shared it with a friend oh good job mary simple as that and here's a couple ways you could do it you could just tell your potter love and bestie hey Guess what? There's this podcast, and they go chapter by chapter. 
You could tell them in real life. You could send them a text, a message. You could share in your stories a screenshot of this podcast. You can share it even on your Facebook or Instagram pages and even include a link to uh, our website, Marion Blake Media, uh, MarionBlake.com or to the link of your podcast app. Yes. But sharing is caring. Podcasts truly get found mostly by word of mouth. It's so old school and I love it and I'm here <laughs> for it. But for that to happen, we do need your help. So let's bring a little bit more Lumos in what is going to be uh, the next darkest two months of the year oh, just because yes. of the sun. <laughs> so thank you very much. My name's Mary. My name is Blake. Mischief Mint. I just said mischief instead of mischief. I said myth. Just myth. Myth. Oh man, this headache. It did something bad to my brain. Mischief. Not listening. Mischief. 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 Mischief managed. Mischief. Earlier, our little lass couldn't say Petrificus Totalis. What was she saying? She was saying Pacificus. Oh, I like that. Pacificus or something like that. I'm here for it. <laughs> Pacificus Protalis. Oh, man, it was so cute. None of us can speak tonight. Don't, don't nobody can speak tonight. It's a good thing we talk for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Who Bye. said we were professional? Bye, everybody.